0: Restaurant Unstoppable Episode Two Seventy
1: Nine. There's something that you got to do to have a much bigger, higher purpose than just making the donuts every day. I don't know what it is for you. When people can turn that internal and think, "I got to do something a little bit bigger than myself," I, I think that they really do become happier. I think they they push out a lot of positivity, and I do think people tend to to have better results because they're not just looking for i would say the end result of money
0: are you ready for it factors success stories
1: failures and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge then join eric cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to
0: become unstoppable Hiring a consultant to train your staff and to improve your restaurant can be expensive. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could just get advice from world champion baristas and leading restaurant consultants without spending thousands of dollars? Tipsy believes you should have the chance to learn new skills whenever you need to, which is why they have hundreds of hospitality courses available for only $9 a month. To give you a little something extra, as a Restaurant Unstoppable listener, you can also get 50% off your first month. All you gotta do is Click the tipsy banner in the show notes. Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Jim Knight. Jim, tell me you're feeling unstoppable today.
1: I am. I totally am. I mean, I'm feeling pretty good. I lead a charmed life doing what I love to do, yes. and uh, it's my dream gig, so I am on fire today.
0: <laughs> yes, sir. So... I... Uh, <laughs> A training and development veteran for 30 plus years, Jim Knight grew as professional under the Hard Rock Cafe brand where he led in all things learning and development. Today he facilitates on a variety of interactive topics, including sessions around organizational culture, a uh, world class service, building rock star teams, employee branding, Performance Management, Philanthropy, and Facilitation Training. Jim authored Culture That Rocks, which in 2015 was featured in Entrepreneur Magazine as a top five book to read. Obviously, you've done way more than this. You're involved in so many places. Uh, this this introduction does not do you justice, uh, but I mean, I can't wait to dive in. And uh, today, I just I have a feeling it's going to be a, a topic around training, around culture, around people, uh, and... Uh, I don't know where we're going to end up, but I know it's going to be awesome. Uh, Before we dive into it, let's just get that motivational. Inspirational, ball rolling with a success quote or mantra.
1: You got it. Yeah, I I would say I've got a lot of uh, unique gymnasiums, but uh, probably the one that sticks in my head that I use quite a bit is a single person with a great idea can start a revolution. Mm. And and I believe that. I mean, honestly, it's true. And whether we're going to overthrow countries or impact results in the business or like me, starting a cultural revolution to help brands deliver memorable experiences. They all work for me. Single person, great idea, starts a revolution.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because I feel like sometimes when you're talking to people, they, they open their restaurant and they're like, what do I do to take it to the next level? And what I've learned, one of the biggest aha moments for me was that taking it to the next level starts from Conception, uh, with what yep. you're doing, it, it, it like it, it has to be something truly amazing. And um, the mission, the vision, uh, whatever you're trying to accomplish, it starts at conception. Create something truly special. Um, and it starts with a single person, um, you. So, what is your amazing thing? Get to work on it and start start something. Start making steps towards that goal today. Awesome stuff. I love it, Jim. Um, so. Thanks, let's just kind of give the listeners an idea of how you got into the industry and how you got to where you are uh, real quick. And then we'll start diving just into all that you've gathered over these 30 plus years.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. I'd love to. Jeez. Um, I guess if my, if I was to sort of put it all into some buckets, I have a combination of music education. And then of course, hospitality, that's where I spent the majority of my background. Um, I do have a degree, a college degree in music performance and education, Um, That's what I went to school for is to be what I thought would be a professional musician. Uh, But I found out while I was at university that to actually make a living, you know, you had to be good. So I changed careers, and uh, (laughs) they say those that don't do teach. I became a middle school teacher, uh, which I liked a lot. I did that for six years. Um, you know, in between there, I had some other jobs. I worked, uh, believe it or not, because I'm from central Florida, I worked at a gator farm called Gatorland Zoo. Best kept secret, by the way, in Florida. Um, I worked at Olive Garden, if you know that Italian restaurant, I did that for about three years and then just took a summer job at, uh, Hard Rock Cafe. You know, like you said, at the top of the show, I mean, for me, I just wanted to make a little bit of money in June, July, and August, because as a middle school teacher, we weren't making any money, uh, during the summer months, started as a host. Um, eventually moved my way up to the head of training and development, as you mentioned, and I was there for twenty one wow. years. So' well, let's put a time just scene. absolutely loved it.
0: When did you start yeah. at hard work or when were you working? You said uh, three years or three months? Was it at at All- well, All-
1: i well, I was I was at Olive Garden for three years. I was at Gatorland Zoo okay. for three years, and I was a school teacher for six. But these all sort of overlap, and you know people are trying That's... to figure out the uh, how old I am. <laughs> but Hard Rock itself was twenty one years consecutively, wow. so I I left in twenty twelve. Um, so if you go back, I started in nineteen ninety one. So I was just a young kid, um, you know, had a mullet. had the long hair and uh, allowed uh, I was allowed to look and say and be and do whatever and it was it was great I mean I love that culture I love the the people I got to travel the world honestly if I could do what I'm doing right now Eric and and still be there I probably would but I did decide to sort of retire you can't see me doing air quotes right now but I retired from corporate life um really to be a speaker and an author and uh somewhat of a budding entrepreneur so I could have a loud voice in, in the uh, industry, like what you're doing.
0: Uh, well, uh, I mean, the, the story is really cool. Uh, one thing you just said that really stood out to me way back when you first started talking was uh, you have to be good at it. Um, and I yeah. think that's one thing, and myself included. I, I started my, I don't know, professional, my adulthood career or being a grown up as a commercial pilot. Um, and I, I mean, I busted my ass to get to where I had to be. But then I realized that you know I'm, I'm trying so hard. I'm, I'm like hustling, but my, my natural strengths <laughs> do not come out here. Like it does not make any sense. And um, I mean to kind of put emphasis on just um, if you, if you are passionate about the hospitality industry, what part of it uh, really you know know where do you really shine and focus on that lane and focus on what you're good at and for you it seems like yep. that's exactly what you did um, so you started as a host and when did you really start to figure out what you're good at when did you really start to hone in on where you shine
1: so mine was probably early I mean I think that's a great question um, and I do I'm with you I think people should be absolutely playing to their strengths mm-hmm. I think you should you know figure out what that lane is and just absolutely crush it mm-hmm. for me it was a little bit early on only because while I was a host and I was able to travel the world and do openings as a trainer, you know, I was probably teaching. I I was leading as a trainer, I would say early in, within a year, year and a half of me working hard rock. So yeah, I was doing, you know, two days a week as my actual job, but then the other three days or so was training managers, training uh, new employees. And that came off the heels of me being a middle school teacher Mm -hmm. that came off the heels of me wanting to perform. So I really do. I, I sort of said I, if I was to pick all these buckets between music, education, and hospitality, pretty early on, even as a kid working at Hard Rock, I figured out I want to teach and develop. So that led me to figure out I don't want to be running shifts in a restaurant my entire life. I like that. That's great work. It's hard work. Um, I, in fact, I don't think I can go backwards. I, you know, I, I absolutely bow to people who can do that full time but i knew that mine was wanting to teach and develop and, and uh, train and so that was the uh, that was a lane that i swam in eventually where i could run point on that and now i sort of feel like i'm still doing the same thing i i pull a lot of music into my sessions and i'm still teaching i just happen to be on a much bigger Platform and most of it is outside of our industry, quite honestly.
0: Yeah. And just like listening to the uh, intentionality of your career, like seeing, you know, knowing what you want to do from a young age and then uh, looking at where you were in life and saying, how can I uh, take my life mission, my, my purpose, my, you know, the reason why I'm here and how can I apply it to the situation I'm in right now? And I feel like uh, yep. so, so many hospitality professionals are just so reactive in their careers. They're, they're there, they're showing up and they're just in. They're in the, the, the mix, you know, they don't we're kind of just floating around. Um, but, you know, starting your career, if you really want to make a career out of this, you got to really think, you know, where do I belong? What's my lane? What are my skills? And how can I sharpen the, the edge on these skills to really, uh, you know, shine and be intentional with my career? And I think you are just, uh, you know, most people don't start as a host and, you know, take the path you took. I think that's a really cool path that you carved out for yourself.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, it was a little bit intentional. I think that was the thing that I could at least get my foot in the door. It's pretty hard, honestly, to get a job at Hard Rock. But when you've got that background as a host already at Olive Garden, when you've got the middle school kind of teacher background, mm. it does afford you at least get your foot in the door. But uh you got to be very driven and passionate and committed about the, the direction you want to go. And don't take no for an answer. And I just, I, I bold, you know, drive myself right into, you know, the career of a lifetime, honestly. Yeah. Like I said, if I could still be there, I probably would, but uh, I'm not going to lie. I, I love what I do now. Before, <laughs> for sure.
0: Before we move on, I just kind of want to uh, paint a picture or maybe bring it to a specific moment. Was there a time in this process where you kind of had an aha moment where you're like, Oh wow, this is, this is going to be my career. Like, this this is what I love and this is what I want to spend the rest of my time doing. Can you bring us to that moment?
1: Yeah. Um, it was actually after I had become a trainer uh, at Hard Rock and I had an opportunity to do my very first opening. So again, I had mentioned, I, I've probably been to some 80 different properties. I specifically and personally opened up some 40 different locations, wow. both cafes, hotels, and and also actually casinos. Um, but my very first one, which happened to be fairly close, was in Atlanta, um, standing in front of fifty new uh, employees um, and, and just having a great time with uh, with these new people, teaching them everything from you know A to Z about Hard Rock and going, I could do this. You know, I could stand up. I could. This will fulfill my need. It'll feed the beast of me being both a, a teacher but also a musician. I get to listen to rock and roll music. I get to be the way that I want to. I'm just going to hang out in this brand and make a career out of it. And and I really did think that on my very first opening. So that, that sort of drove me. And ultimately, as you, you know, stay within your circle of influence, the things you don't get bollocks up on, you just focus on those things that you can crush. And, and that's what I did. And just I wound up getting more and more and more responsibilities. And my impact and influence grow to the extent that when I left two decades later, I really did have a, pretty loud voice and had accomplished what I wanted to do while I was at hard rock. There was nothing else for me other than going off and doing my own thing. But if I had to point to it, which is a great question, it was at that moment standing in front of some 50 new host at a new cafe thinking, this is what I could do the rest of my life. So I'm still sort of doing a variation. of
0: that. What was it about that moment that really resonated with you? That really just was rewarding that so rewarding that like you were hooked from that point.
1: You know it's always I mean I've used these words impact and influence. It's always been the driving force for me um, you know and and when you can stand in front of whether it's four people and influence their mind to think differently or four to five thousand people like what I do now and to get them to be inspired and motivated to take action to make their businesses a little bit better, you know i'm 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 just a fan of that. I mean nothing is more exciting to me than having a voice and feeling. Value that people want to act because of that messaging. So, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it's just, it, it's as, probably as close to being a rock star as I'm ever going to be, you know, and it's not about power. It, it is literally about, can I do good in the world? And can I do that through my one strength, which is being able to hold an audience? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I'm probably mediocre, honestly, about a lot of things, but there are a couple of strengths that I have. And one of them is, you put people in front of me and, and I can talk and, and hopefully my talk is not just a bunch of jib jab. I mean, it's something that people are going to run with and hopefully make their lives better. So, you know, like I said, I think that moment being in that environment and, and everything that had, had come before allowed me to sort of take advantage of it and say, I'm, I'm going to run with this. And hopefully I've been able to help others perpetuate their brand for, um, you know, for, for the future success.
0: Awesome, and in that you said one word uh, that just has a lot of weight with me. Um, that's you know really become one of my favorite words, uh, and that's impact. Um, so yeah. I'm curious, uh, what does impact mean to you, and how should we be thinking about how we can impact people?
1: Well, I think it, it impact can be positive or negative. Um, and I am all about creating businesses that positively impact people's lives. So that's what I do professionally now. But whether I'm doing something personally and I can impact you as an individual to make your life better, whether I personally, when I go out to eat, drink, shop, stay, play, wherever it is, I'm attracted to brands that positively impact people's lives. And I can list some of those out right now, like, First Watch Daytime Cafe or Chick-fil-A or Starbucks or whatever, you know, some, some of the ones that probably are the, the the well-known brands that most people think, but I'm looking for people to impact me. So when I do this personally, whether I do it professionally, even from a philanthropic standpoint, you know, I'm very lucky that I get involved in some different charitable causes. I do take a couple of trips every once in a while to uh, Africa and where I think I can bring again some impact to to positively make somebody's life better and you can take that however you want but it would be personal or professional that's what I'm about and those are the type of people that I like to hang out with and that I'm inspired by so I'm not sure if I'm answering your question as a definition but for me I'm always looking that if I say something people can sit back think about it resonate perhaps have to marinate on it for a little bit but then they can act to make their lives better in whatever area we happen to be yakking about at that time, then then we've all won.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you are answering the question and you, and you said something else too um, that really stood out to me, which was just do good in the world and find out, you know, just to kind of create the big picture, like what you've done is you, you found where you shine. You, you got in that lane. You, you know where you can make the biggest impact and then you impact people to do good in the world. Um, And, and that's what I'm picking up from this so far. And I feel like so often, and, and you can agree or disagree, I feel like so many times when people kind of get off course or they... Um, you know, get confused or lost in their careers when they 're thinking about growth and what they can do to be better and they 're looking outwards right but I, f- I wonder yep. you know I, I feel like from what i 've learned is that we need to turn it inward and really think about what we can do on the small scale the details of our business, the details of ourselves um, and the people in our business how can we impact things on a smaller level and I think it, it the greatness starts from a small level, and you know when you really just try to fine tune and sharpen the edge and and over time, you know, that impact with the people, it grows laterally. Um, would you agree or disagree with that?
1: No, I totally agree. And, and I think maybe a broader stroke of that is I, I do think that right now people, if they're not looking internally, let's say that they're really just focused on on outward. They're focusing on the stuff that's accumulated. They focus on you know, just from results, whatever results are for them, let's say it is business, let's say it is personal, whatever it is, you know, whatever hill they're trying to climb, there's something that has happened over the last two decades that I've I, I've really seen. And I know a lot of people now think in, in, in these sort of terms that business and society and even human beings in general have to be better connected. We've got to be better business partners, better partners mm-hmm. in general. So the organizations that I like to hitch my wagons to that, that I focus on, whether it's uh, my own philanthropic organization that I've sort of created with a few influential friends of mine, whether it's hunger related because I've been working in food and beverage forever, or whether I can talk to an individual and say, there's something that you got to do to have a much bigger, higher purpose than just making the donuts every day. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is for you. You've got to figure out what it is. But when people can turn that internal and think, I got to do something, a little bit bigger than myself, I, I think that they really do become happier. I think they they push out a lot of positivity, and I do think people tend to to have better results because they're not just looking for, I would say, the end result of, of money. You know, and I think corporate greed has sort of um, sort of put a bad taste in our mouths. And believe it, I'm a, I'm a capitalist. Like I totally dig money. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with that, but I just think people now realize there's a different way about going about doing it. You've got to focus on your employees and social change and, you know, get involved in government and, and just be a better business partner or just your local community and society. So people have to figure out what that is. But I do think there's got to be a little bit of some looking in the mirror and taking an inward approach to say, am I doing what I can for those that are less fortunate? Um, not because somebody told me or my government told me to do it, because I, I want to do it and it's the right thing to do. I, I don't think this is just a quick little flash in the pan. I think this is the way that society has got to evolve now. People oh, absolutely. know this.
0: Absolutely. And I think I'm right there with you. I think capitalism is beautiful, but I also think... That capitalism paired with greed can be really dangerous, and it's when capitalism totally. paired with goodwill and um, and and making the world a better place and uh, taking what you have and uh, and you know not just money but your knowledge and everything that has gotten you to where you are and spreading that to the world so we can all share in, uh, you know, what life could be and can be uh, is what it's yep. all about. And I want to I learn. Agree with that. Thank you. Uh, I, I want to um, just kind of talk about how you evolved um, some of the biggest lessons you've taken away doing the work you've done. I mean, developing all these uh, training, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, training manuals or whatever it was you're doing. But where did you really start to like Figure it out, and to know what we need to do as uh, leaders and owners in the industry to really empower our people. In uh, you know, what are some of the things we can do in our business to to give the people in our on our team the tools they need to be successful?
1: Well, I you know that, that's a that's a big broad question for <laughs> yeah, sure. I, you know, if I had to hang my hat on one. Um, it's always going to be about the people. It's so funny. I mean, I probably drive that message home in almost all of my sessions. Whenever I'm doing a workshop or or a keynote speech, um, it, it's never about the product, you know. So I guess depending on what industry or what company I'd be talking to, or, or or just you know having a conversation with, even if it was over the phone or online or in person or Skype or whatever it is. I will have people that will be super happy with their environment, that they're thrilled that they have this fantastic product, whatever the thing is that they're delivering. And yet, you know, it's not enough to be first to the market. It's not enough to have the biggest market share. It's not enough to just say it's the best product that's out there. The reality is people are making today more than ever emotional decisions. And it's always about the deliverer. You know, the deliverer matters most in my mind. And I was making an analogy earlier, whenever I really do go out into the public domain if i'm going to go drink and shop and eat and go to a hotel or go to a theme park or whatever I, I do care about the stuff that i'm getting but that that just gets me into the game you know that just means that that company gets to exist it's always about the human that is bringing the thunder you know from an from a edutainment standpoint you know maybe they're teaching me a little bit of stuff or they're they're making me laugh a little bit more or they're whimsical or whatever it is. Or it could be about the same professional stuff that we all teach, like eye contact and sense of urgency and attention to detail and all the things that hospitality is really known for. So, you know, if I, if I was to put sort of a broad brush in it, I'd say the the thing that clicks for me and the thing that I sort of parlay over to any client or customer that I might be talking with It's never, ever about the stuff. It's not about the product. It is always about the totality of the experience, and that's going to happen because of the people. So my whole focus is always on the employee life cycle. You know, you start from the beginning in how you recruit and interview and hire and train and, and communicate and ultimately develop and reward and recognize and inspire and motivate. And, yeah, even when you separate with somebody, there should be a process in place that you're doing everything you can to incent these people like they're rock royalty. And then what happens is when you're not around, they're going to bring something spectacular to the guest or the customer to where your results really are Herculean. They're so much better than what you would have done on your own if you were just hiring a bunch of automatons. So, you know, I guess in in the long answer, there's a lot of things I could go into so much detail about (laughs) What I would do with print material and video and e-learning and some instructor-led classes. So that's the training and development guy coming out of me. But honestly, at the end of the day, it is because of the people that are in the business. And Eric, that's probably the reason I stuck around with hard rock. Like I said, for 21 years, it wasn't the the cool job or, or the way that I was able to look or the way that I was able to act or the music that I got to listen to. It was because of the really cool rock stars that I got to work around every single day that that is what drove me to just absolutely want to stick around for for so long
0: yeah and, and I couldn't agree more with you one of the things that just makes me just get sucked into this industry and just gravitate to this industry is how passionate the people are and so many of the people who choose to be I mean you really got to have that passion to to work in the, in to make this industry your career. Cause if you're doing it for the, the you know, the money you're going to be let down and it's really those deeper, <laughs> no, like, you are, Yeah, it's really those deeper, you know, passions that Leo you know, are within people. And there's just no more, I can't think of another industry that has more real people in it. And that's what I love is just the authenticity of the people in this industry. Uh, but not only that, but being able to make it your job to make other people happy. Like where yeah. else can you like just focus on, you know, spreading happiness and joy and creating those experiences in this, experiences in those memories, but, um, man, I'm getting off topic. I really, well, like- <laughs> and, and it should be.
1: So I, I would just say too, I mean, you're making a great point here. And if you think about our industry, it is all disposable income. I mean, people don't have to go out to stay at a hotel or eat or go to a, a theme park. Like this is all by choice. They're choosing to do it. Their, their natural disposition is to have fun. Like they're excited about getting away and not having to cook at home or, have someone cook for them or whatever it is. So it, to me, I don't understand how it can't be so much easier for us to, to leapfrog everybody else and just be spectacular because we, we already have people that are in a pretty good mood coming out to take advantage, spending their disposable income with us. Why can we not crush that? I, I just don't get that. So, you know, again, I think this is all going to be awesome or not because of the people that are that are in the industry. So if you're great, you know, you got a long career if you want it. If you're great, you're, you're got a lot of money coming your way if that's what you want. But if you're not, then you're going to struggle, and it's probably not going to be the uh, the industry for you.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think in one word, uh, the category we're talking about, the area that we are you know discussing right now is basically culture. Uh, culture starts with people, and the 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 yep. you know all that is culture. So, where are some of the uh, orga- organizational uh, focal points that we should be you know really focusing on to really improve our culture? Like, if you could break it down into, like, different categories, like, where where would we be focusing to improve our culture?
1: Yeah, and, and again, this is all going to be based off the back of people. Um, so, so I focus on service. I mean, service, definitely, you can't talk about organizational culture without talking about creating some sort of a differentiated service. Um, that's going to be one. Leadership is another one. Although I will tell you, I mean, I just got through giving you my quote on that, but I do talk about a single person with a great idea starting a revolution. That can be a middle manager as well, or even a frontline manager. I do think these things can happen. However, leadership is a really, really big piece. Um, I, I focus on today's workforce. You know, that that is one from an organizational culture, which I think right now you still hear people, I'm a Gen Xer, people skip our generation. They talk about the baby boomers and the millennials right now. But the reality <laughs> is there is still a disconnect and it freaks me out that people can't get this, but there's still a disconnect with all of these baby boomers that, yeah, there's a lot that are retiring, but some of them that are still in the position, whether they've been there forever or they don't want to change or they try and muscle the result, and all of a sudden they've got the this group of millennials and even the next generation I call them the digital natives all of these kids that are coming to work for them act and behave and learn and communicate differently than we did so i think one of these focal points has got to be you got to understand and and skew your training and your communication to them, the, the style that they like to learn information. Mm-hmm. So those are really the three biggest ones. There's certainly other small subsets, but if you can really focus on just, if, if you sell a product or deliver a service, the way you go about doing that, you got it's got to be differentiated. So service is one, leadership is another, and focusing on today's workforce. I think if you were to hit those three pillars, those three kind of um, elements, then I think you're on the path to really amping up your culture if that's what you need. And some people really do need an overhaul; they need it to be a revolution. And others, not so much. You know, some people listening right now are probably thinking, "I already got a pretty good culture." Well, then, great, keep doing what you're doing. But nobody wants to become complacent. Nobody wants to get off the rails. So, if that's you as a listener right now, then it is about just you know boop, 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 kicking it up a couple notches and just making sure you're staying on the straight and narrow. But Honestly, I get hired a lot of times Eric because people are looking to fix or get back to the good old days when it comes to their culture. Hopefully, you start with these three main mantras, you know, you'll you'll be in a pretty big place. Today's workforce, service and leadership.
0: Yeah, and just really to put emphasis on something you said that is one thing I've found in so many of my successful guests is that it's never good enough. You don't get to a, po- a yeah. point and go, "Okay, we got there. What's next?" You're always you're Always pushing for the next level, Um, and you're always looking to fine tune and refine and to evolve, and to uh, see where there's weaknesses, and um, you know, and that's it's it's never gonna be over and done. I think that's one thing we need to accept in our heads is that success in this industry is from constant growth, constant push, constant strive, just to be a little bit better than you were the day before. Do you want to reflect on that? Yeah, and you know
1: what's sad about that? I I, I actually think, unfortunately, that we live in a pretty mediocre world. And, and I say that in a sense. I do think that there are so many brands, so many companies that aren't even trying this somehow. And I don't know why this is. It's almost like some big old monster conference happened back in the day, and all the restaurants got together in some big conference to go, hey, let's just be mediocre for a while and see what that's like. Because <laughs> I feel like it came true. I mean, average seems to be, the norm and and you said it best right at the top of that question it's you know good enough seems to be good enough for some brands I, I don't i don't understand how people can work in an environment like that i am all about bringing something awesome to the table i'm all about shooting for perfection but i'll settle for excellence mm. but mediocrity and average Oh my God, there's so many people that are already doing that. It should be so easy for us to just go out there and just bring something uh, different that you can't get somewhere else and do it in a really fun way. And I don't know, it, it really does. When I go out and, and again, I'm, I I go out in shop land, I'm going to get something to, to buy or to eat or whatever. I am so flabbergasted and blown away by both fantastic service because I don't see it as rare anymore, but but I'm so Used to and 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 it becomes apathetic for me to see sort of this average laissez-faire sort of approach. That you know, I'm I'm just used to it. And me personally, I know that I'm a part of what I now think in my head is acceptable mediocrity. I just accept it because I don't want to deal with conflict. I've I found a close place to me. It's convenient. It's cheapy cheap. Whatever it is, so I've lowered the bar myself. That when I actually do see great service, it completely blows my mind. And I, I'm i willing to talk about it on TripAdvisor or tell a manager or write a letter or tip a little bit more or whatever it is. But I, I just don't understand why so many companies are not doing more to do something that gets ourselves edged up into people's mental shelf space. Mm. You got to be fantastic. And, uh, I just see so many companies that aren't, unfortunately.
0: I want to talk about two things. Uh, first, I want to talk about yeah. what the ordinary companies are doing versus what the extraordinary companies are doing on the back end to empower their people to give that extraordinary uh, service. Uh, but I also want to talk about uh, focusing on today's workforce and how that is different and how we can uh, best serve today's <laughs> workforce. So let's start with the difference between um, those, the, the things those extraordinary companies you believe are doing in the back end that are making them so extraordinary but first we gotta thank our sponsor whether you're just getting started in the restaurant business or if you're a seasoned veteran there's always something new to learn that never ends Tipsy has taken everything you need to know and put it in one easy to access location. With Tipsy you can learn what you want when you want by accessing an incredible library of video courses on topics like food and beverage service, marketing, and business operations. It's basically a one stop shop for everything you need to run a successful restaurant. You can also use Tipsy as a staff training tool. Through the management platform you can select the courses that matter to you and schedule them out to your Employees in a few simple clicks. Individual memberships are only $9 a month. And as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you receive an extra 50% off your first month. So, what are you waiting for? For $4.50, you can have access to this incredible resource right now. Just find the tipsy banner in the show notes. Okay, we're back. And Jim, taking away what are those great companies doing that the not so great companies aren't doing?
1: yeah you know I, I i would guess in my speech um or speeches you would probably hear i don't know four or five big brands that everybody knows and i kind of have to do that just because of my time constraints mm-hmm. but you know I, I do think about this this analogy of strong cultures exuding life sustaining oxygen right the ones that are great for the body and then i think about the weak ones that you know pump out that poisonous uh, uh carbon monoxide right so mm-hmm. The positive rock star brands that I mentioned tend to be the exact same companies that you would think, honestly. It's the ones that we all think about when I say the word culture, and some of these already pop in your mind, like Apple. I mentioned Starbucks. Southwest, I think is fantastic. Um, Disney and and Nike, Harley Davidson, I don't use them a lot, but fantastic culture. Um, Chick-fil-A, I think, is, is awesome. Zappos, one of the greatest cultures in the world. A lot of people might not know who they are, but you know, th- these guys are selling online shoes. And, and if you told me that an online shoe company would be one of the greatest cultures out there 10, 15 years ago, I'd be laughing at you. You know, so so I do tend to to focus on those. Some of them that might take a little bit longer if I've got a full day workshop, I'm going to bring up Lego and In-N-Out burger and uh, the container store, you know, and for a variety of reasons, all of them are different. But the one thing that I would say is you go and look at their people they're awesome, and it just supports exactly what you and I have already been talking about. And then if I can grab some lesser-known culture warriors, and these are the types of things where w- when you've got a book like I do, you can spend a little bit more time on it because these usually will not come up in a session, but um, you, you probably won't know Rackspace. Um, you know, that that's a little bit, it is in our industry, they do um, technology servers, but they've got one of the greatest cultures out there. People actually get their company logo tattooed on their body, which is hilarious to me. Um, Zingermans, which are fairly well known up in, in Michigan area. They're they're great. Place. Yeah. They are really, really good. And they're, you know, they continue to open up properties. They don't wanna they don't wanna do the franchising. They're not gonna chain out and go all over. They just go, we're gonna take over Ann Arbor and Ann Arbor, Michigan's just gonna be populated with a whole bunch of our uh, our businesses. So that whole Z cub. You know, that's how they refer to the Zingerman's business is awesome. Susie Swirl, which is a frozen dessert concept with a good friend of mine. is fantastic culture. Um, I I write about some of my friends down in the Florida Keys. I've I've got some friends of mine who actually, um, the guy who runs the thing used to be my boss at Hard Rock. His name's Mike Shipley. They have a place called Island Bay Resort, which is in the upper Florida Keys. They're consistently in the top 10 of all hotels in the U.S. on TripAdvisor, you, if you looked at that list, you would know the other nine. And then there's this 10th one you wouldn't even realize. And it is a small 10 room little place that's in the upper keys. And you wouldn't think that it would make it on that list. But it is because of the service delivery that they provide. It's not because of the resort itself. So, you know, like I said, I think if you go through, I think I probably counted some 40 different brands that I mentioned in my book. Um, I can get into some granular companies and some lesser-known sort of culture warriors that are absolutely doing something awesome. But when you know when I'm in front of a big group, I probably only have time to talk about four or five big ones, and I have to do that so that it people are able to connect the dots and understand it without me having to explain what the brand is. So, but anyway, it's not it's not about just the big dogs. I mean, I love shining a light on some of the smaller ones. I I guess I would I would just say that it's always throughout all of these it is about the people that Mm. are delivering the service or you know producing the product whatever it is and you know if I can get even outside of some industries I talk about cultures in automotive service repair and healthcare and funeral directors Mm -hmm. and. Senior living, like these are speeches that I'm doing for other brands, so, and and they can all take a cue from what we work on in hospitality. Yeah, yeah and
0: you're giving um, beautiful examples of some amazing companies out there that are doing it right. But at the core of uh, you know, what these great t- companies are doing and what the not so great are doing is it sounds like they're really just uh keeping a very high standard for the kind of people they get on board, and they also uh they they get really clear about. <laughs> creating that avatar of who we are and who we're going to hire in hiring for that attitude. Is that where it all starts is just getting that foundation of the good people on your team.
1: Yeah. I don't want to discount the ones that really do need to hire somebody specifically for a professional position that requires some knowledge, some technical knowledge, you know, a vast amount of background, but let's be honest, Eric. I mean the, the majority of the jobs in our industry you need zero. I mean, zero expertise. Mm-hmm. You need zero experience coming in for a frontline position, and yet when you look at the application, or even for managers, you look at the resumes, you look at a CV. Experience everybody seems right, to right. hang their hat on on experience. Yeah. yeah. So some, you know, when you tell somebody, "Oh, I'm sorry, you can't get a job here. You need two to three years of experience." Really. So Come on! When I see you know, that, you, I am I'm all.
0: like the first thing that comes to my mind when I see that is you don't want to put the time and effort into developing these people. You're lazy. Like that's where exactly. that's where impact comes in. Like this is about developing, mentoring, growing people and investing in other people. And if you can do that, if you hire the right people and then you give them the tools, the resources, the knowledge, the the culture, all these things, you can literally shape the company you want. Uh, but it starts with you yep. being willing to do that and to not just be lazy and, you know, you know that, I mean, do you want to reflect on anything I just said?
1: Well, I love all of it. I mean that you're exactly right. I mean, all day long, I, I actually have a friend of mine who their entire business is in fact populated with millennials. And, and I know people have, uh, you know, either a bad thought about that or, or a great thought about it, but most people would have sort of a generic stereotype with them. And there is one thing that I'm noticing quite a bit from my friend who runs this place. They're saying that they're coming to the table without having any um, sort of personal skills. They, there's some life skills that maybe they didn't get because it's not taught in school. They're not taught by their parents. Yeah. So some of them literally are not able to count back change or they don't, they've never used a broom before, or they're not used (laughs) to making eye contact with customers. So you you can, you can take one or two directions. You can either go, you know, I'm not going to take a chance with you because I need you to get experience somewhere else. Or, you could take it upon yourself to say, I get a chance to craft that person and make them exactly what I need, not just for my business, but to be a better human being. So is it going to take me a little bit longer? Do I have to be a little bit more committed? Do I have to be a little bit more patient? Sure. But I love the fact that my friend is doing that where most other brands, they're they're not even going to give them the time of day. And so where does this person ultimately get those skills? Where? If nobody ever gives people, them a shot, other people, you know?
0: yeah. And I'm so happy you segue into this topic because that was the second thing I want to talk about, is just focusing on today's workforce. But we look at the millennials, I mean, Deborah Hermanson uh, was on the show and she said something that will just stick with me for the rest of my life. Um, you know, she said, point your finger at the ceiling and then take that finger and point it straight ahead. You have one finger. You know pointing out and three fingers pointing back at you um and whenever I get so angry when i I hear people just complain and complain about the the today's workforce, but why are they the way they are what what happened at, you know the five layers of why, and it always comes back yeah. to they were put brought up in a society where we didn't give them we set them up to be like this that's right, that's so right when are we going to take ownership on <laughs> getting them back to where they need to be and investing our time in them and mentoring them like like relationships today are so shallow and we need those people who will you know take the time to give these people the social skills they need and that's that's our social yeah. responsibility if you ask me
1: I agree Oh, I man. agree.
0: You just touch on so, so many things. I mean, you're,
1: you're really just saying the same thing that I was saying. Yeah. I, I agree. I just think it's that beautiful- this is the way that they are. and And let's don't be negative about it. Let's just figure out a way to use it to our advantage and look at it, I think, positively, which is how you were spinning that earlier, is you get a chance to... Create the employee that you want. You know, not everybody's going to come to the party and be completely, you know, having a background or be an expert. But you can teach them a few things, and they're always going to think fondly, you know, of you. They're probably going to be loyal to you. They'll probably, you know, bring something a little bit more to the table than just doing a job. So for me, I think we have set up that that generation, good, bad, or indifferent. But I think as an employer especially if you don't need any experience, you can figure it out. You can bring people on and focus on them as an individual. And, uh, you're, you're going to get an awesome, loyal employee to stay with you longer.
0: Yeah. And that's the one thing, uh, that I think we need to mention too, is I feel like people just want results right away. And, uh, you know, it doesn't happen overnight where you get this amazing foundation of people below you or beside you. Um, you don't build these foundations overnight. It takes, you know, years of showing up and investing in these people and developing these people. And over that time, you, it, it, it happens. But I mean, you can't just yeah. step in, open a restaurant, uh, create core values, uh, say what your mission is, write out your culture, and what we stand for, and then not live it and not, you know, show yep. up every day doing that. Do you, any thoughts on that?
1: Um no, I think what you're you're we've already sort of talked through that. I do think that um th- this happens a lot with organizations that if they're just going to put that stuff on the wall, I think the ones that actually do that and have mission values and and uh, a lot of that infrastructure in place, they probably are already in a fairly good place to now populate it with people who are going to match up to that. I'm hoping it's the ones who don't focus on that. They just open the doors and try like you said to just focus on the money. Then they try and retro the organization. They try and go, Oh, we ought to be doing things a little bit bigger. The ones that try and figure out now, let's put that infrastructure in place. It's too late. And you've got mm. legacy employees that have been there for a while that have already been seared because they've been either trying to muscle the result. And you maybe have a leader who manages your threats and punishment, or it's all about the money. And you probably already have high turnover and low morale anyway. Mm. So I'm not sure if I could add more to it. I do think, um, you know, the more thought that you can put into the business before you swing the doors open, the better off you're gonna be. And I know you're right, it doesn't always happen. People do get quick to the market, they try and and open up the thing to make a little bit of money. But, you know, I use that analogy of an iceberg, you know, I don't care how big an iceberg is, when you see the thing, you know, it's the smallest part, right? It's only 10, 15% of the actual thing, the bulk of the thing, the mass is below the surface. Mm -hmm. So when I look at this as an analogy, I go the tip of the iceberg is what the guest, the customer actually sees, whether it's on phone, you know, online, in person, whatever it is, everything that we're doing is below the surface that you hope like heck parlays over to exactly the way that you want the guest to experience it. So that's where your mission, your vision, your value orientation, retool and process and form and the leadership environment. Like we have to think about all of these things first because everything's created twice, first mentally and then physically. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a split second to go left, versus going right, but in opening up a business, you really got to think through that stuff and know what's the end result. And if we do that and know that it's all going to be predicated on people, then let's spend some time and hang out in the 80, 85% and get that thing right. And then how does the thing run when you're not there? That is a great indication of leadership. Mm. You know, you open the doors and then you can have a meeting, you can run off site, you can go to a conference or whatever it is, And you can leave somebody behind who's actually managing the thing and people are willing to do it and not because they're being told to do it. They're not complying, but they're committing because they get it. They know what the mission and the values and the processes are. So I said I wasn't going to respond to it, but I just did. I mean, I (laughs) honestly think that if you can put that infrastructure in place, um, you're probably already in a good place. But the more time that you can do that before you start really making the stuff that you're selling um, you're, you're going to be in a pretty good place.
0: Yeah. And I mean, if you could just shine a little light onto the things we can do in our life. I mean, I, I agree with everything you've said about it. It starts at conception and it starts with that one single person having an amazing idea and then creating it twice, first in your head making it amazing in your head, then literally, you know, getting that into the physical world. But what can we do to show up every day to serve the mission to serve the core values to to make sure what we created in our head lasts the long like how how do we keep that going how do we not lose our mojo
1: yeah well and maybe you were alluding to this in your earlier question too one of the things you can't do is just have a mission and values card you can't have a poster you can't just put out a video and everybody gets one and everybody sees this thing and it's all on day one orientation, right? It's all in your onboarding and then you never bring it up again. Mm -hmm. I think the ones that, that literally make this a living breathing sort of philosophy and not just a document is you got to use it on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've worked for companies, I've worked with companies that they don't start a meeting until somebody throws the, uh, the, the mission statement and the values on the table. They all take out their wallet card. So they all have the poster, Present in the room. They don't uh, have even a pre shift meeting without them referencing it or talking about it or quizzing people about it to make sure that it is something that we talk about and make our decisions off of. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I've heard people call this the BS card before. You know, it's one of those where we're not going to make some grandiose decision unless we ram that through the filter that is our values. Mm. Um, so I think there's nothing better. I mean, I love new collateral. Like I'm, I'm all, like I said, that's how I cut my teeth in, in the business. You know, especially when I got over into the, you know, the corporate support center moving out from being a host, it was on making manuals and videos and e-learning and, mm-hmm. and classes, courses that you would teach. So I'm all about having all those great, fancy, awesome bells and whistles. But at the end of the day, if people aren't going to use them to help guide our decisions, then what's the point? It's just really expensive. Mm-hmm. Collateral and wallpaper, quite honestly. So, I think to specifically answer your question, you got to make it present um, and not just look back on it and go, oh, you know, that, that that thing is inspiration when you read it. Well, if you only read it once every couple of years, then what's the point? Well, do you think it's cheesy? If the only person who can never remember it is the HR director who created it in the first place, what's the point in having it? <laughs> you know? do, you,
0: do you think it's cheesy to you know say those things every day and to whip out the core values, the mission card, and to literally like like, you know, you know, chant these things every day. Is that cheesy? Is that funny?
1: Sure. I think it's completely cheesy if you make it (laughs) cheesy. And if it doesn't feel authentic, I think, and I'm not saying, I don't want you to get it in the head that I would have people pull that thing out and we're repeating it. I don't even care if people know it off the top of their heads and they can recite it back to me. I am all about what people do versus what they say. I do think that if you made it so authentic that at the very start of your business, that you were going to make this thing as prevalent as you could be. And you aren't going to start, you know, without having this thing in there that, you know, I'm making this up. but Let's just say you brought out a poster and it's always in every meeting that I would have with the CEO and their senior execs. Or if I'm a general manager and I'm doing a pre-shift, you know, at some point I might reference one bullet point, or I might have a point where I'm talking about, if there's group business today, if we've got some sort of philanthropic event coming up, if it's here's the sales for the day, but yeah, I'm going to take one of the values and I might have somebody tell me what that means to them or had they seen something or participated in something that reinforced that value. It's one thing, you know, at Hard Rock, we had seven values, so it was easy. You know, seven days, seven values. You know, we were always picking something to talk about. Now, when you make it that, forward thinking that prevalent in everything you do, whether people can actually recall the exact words, but they certainly can recall the exact Mm. behaviors and instances that they occur. So yeah, it could be really cheesy and it'll be over the top and nobody will want to pay attention and it'll be a joke if that's how you present it that way. If you go, there's a reason why we spent the time and energy and effort and rigor to put these things into place that I think people are more likely to follow through. And I think people want to work for a calling bigger than themselves, Sometimes it's what we put in our mission and vision and values.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, to me, it it all depends on how you define cheesy. If cheesy is something to be kind of played off and not really important or cheesy is woo-woo and heartfelt and meaningful. But here's the thing. Whenever you do things that feel a little silly and feel a little awkward, that means you're doing something that's not socially accepted, usually outside, unexpected, beyond what others are willing to do. And it feels silly because you know that this isn't normal, but if you want to be extraordinary, you need to be willing to be a little silly and to be a little cheesy. And it's, if if things feel normal, then it's not going to stick with anybody. I feel like we should try, yeah. we should try to make people feel uncomfortable, uncomfortable because that means we are making, we're getting a point across. If it's, you know, do you get what I'm saying?
1: I do. And, and you know, if I was to think about the way, um, I I think in a lot of ways that millennials learn. So again, I'm coming back to the M word. Mm -hmm. You know, the the key cultural drivers of today's workforce are things like this. I think they're experience obsessed. They want to be involved in the experience. And I think you could do that in the way that you talk about your mission values. I think they're technology dependent, as you know. I mean, they're they're not just savvy, they're dependent Mm -hmm. on it. So could you do the exact same things I'm talking about, but utilize it, whether it's text polling, whether you're doing something from a, a, you know, a point of sale system. So I'm not saying it has to be the boring, pull out your wallet card. I just know that they're so tech savvy. They're visual learners. Yeah, they have got short attention spans, um, but they're also purpose driven and they're socially conscious. So you ran that sort of list of there and go in anything that I do, but especially if I'm going to talk about something important, like our mission and vision and values, let me take advantage of the drivers that fit them. As I probably would with any education, honestly, and you make it fun for them and utilize their tools in the way that they think. You know, I, I want I want to teach in, in a language that people dream. You know, and they put their head on the pillow at night. That, that, I'm not talking about German and French. I'm talking about the fact that they probably are thinking visual. They're thinking very quick. They're thinking technology. Mm. You know, that that's the way that I love to train and communicate is trying to figure out what works for them. And, and if we're talking about just understanding the ultimate goal of the company. And that's what our mission and our vision is. You can do it in the exact same vein that I would a simple training class on how to build sales.
0: Mm. Now I'm curious, you, you were talking about how the millennial age uh, learns today, how they're used to, they're not just savvy, but they're dependent on uh, technical or technology as a platform to evolve. So what are some of the resources out there that really have caught your attention that enable us to uh, communicate on a platform that is best uh understanding through the younger generation are there any t- services out there that you would like to share with us or you- well
1: i mean i, I there's some <clears throat> some tools that i use um i i really am in the text polling right now i think there's some cool stuff i mean you can certainly develop an app uh, and i did that with my consulting company for one of our companies one of the biggest hotel chains in the world they have a daily app that they use and it it does some pretty cool stuff, including it gives you some random questions that are from the company or about the culture that you throw out perhaps in a meeting or a pre-shift. You know, there's various things that you do in there, including, by the way, they talk about one of their values each day. And so it's very random, but these are the things that you can pick and choose and everybody uses that. I I mentioned point of sale. Um, You can certainly put some things in a Squirrel or Aloha or Micros or whatever the the company, whatever tool they're using for their point of sale system. Sometimes when you're checking in, when you're clocking in or clocking out or whatever, sometimes there's a quick question and it might not be specifically about the business as much as it might be the mission and values or something that we might be trying to educate somebody on. So I love point of sale stuff. But for me, I use a tool called Poll Everywhere.com. Poll com, And I started using it because I was exposed to it about five, six years ago through some of my other associations and organizations. This is the way that I see a lot of academic institutions starting to go. They're asking people questions, whether it's true, false, fill in the blank, multiple choice, whatever it is, that gets pushed out, honestly, it gets perpetuated out through text polling and so you answer the questions and what's cool is the instructor or the person who's asking the questions gets real-time answers it's even really fantastic in a in a um, instructor like class you have everybody take out your phones you ask a question and as people are responding it populates real time up onto whatever screen you're projecting that is a pretty cool wow factor not only for the class itself but it's it's great to actually know the information i can easily ask the question i can have people write the stuff down but why not use the tool that they're that they use all day long and so if for that reason alone it allows i think the millennials or or whatever today's the, the new workforce is going to be it allows them to connect a little bit more to the person that's asking the question so you know if you were asking me for a specific resource i use poll quite a bit honestly but there's there's stuff that's coming along that that seems like fire to a caveman. You know, it's so long ago, five, six years ago, tech changes so quickly that there's probably even better tools that I just haven't grabbed my hands around yet.
0: No, I love that you mentioned that tool. And I think one thing just Having the the younger generation in mind is that they're so used to communicating through um, almost like an avatar, like they don't really get that they're not used to saying what they feel out loud. Um, so when you when yeah. you give them that medium and you give them the options to you know th- that most parallel what they are feeling, you're going to get a much more authentic, genuine answer. I feel uh, because there's there's that veil there to protect their identity because they're a little apprehensive to share how they yeah. really feel. So that's a great way to really truly connect with your people. I'm gonna have to check that out. Thank you. Um, sure. I can't believe how fast time is going. I want to you know, give you a little time just to mention your book and, <laughs> sure. uh, you know, the purpose of this book and, uh, who, who is the person that should be picking up this book culture that rocks?
1: Well, you know, it is a how to business book. Um, so, so I am interested in trying to help out any manager or a leader amp up their brand so you could easily say oh it's just for the person who's running the thing no i mean i really do focus a lot on anybody at any level in any industry regardless of where they are there's definitely a lot of ideas and best practices on how to create or maintain or even as uh, the cover talks about revolutionizing an organizational culture so you know you, you can think about culture in a lot of ways um and and this is the problem it is a very nebulous, esoteric concept, right? I mean, I'm trying to bring something tangible and actionable, at least from a definition to it, so that people could work on their business. Mm. And and that was the thing. I always wanted to, you know, climb underneath the hood of any organization and, and share some of the cool and irreverent and unpredictable things that I have learned at Hard Rock and some of the things that they do. And there is a little bit of that, by the way, in the book. But I would think about anything and everything that you could think of from a cultural standpoint. And it does hit on a a ton of areas. I I hit on customer service, and I've already been using some of that language talking about differentiation. I delve into recruiting and hiring and retaining right fit employees. Um, I point out the needs of today's workforce, which you and I just talked about, and the type of tools and technology that might be available to train and communicate with them. Um, I, I do bring a little bit of a heavier stick in talking about leadership and the need for top execs to ultimately get it. You know, their impact obviously on the company culture is a lot bigger, but again, I do take a little bit of a jaunt here just saying, Hey, if you are running a business, here's some things that you can think of. Um, and I even present an entire chapter on philanthropy. You know, you and I talked about that, just knowing that there's gotta be a better connection out there. And if there are some things that I can share to get potential, employees and customers on making better decisions um, to, to really make the world a better place. I think there's some really cool cultural elements in that as well. So, you know, the, those would sort of be some subtopics. And, and then, of course, the whole thing, you know, is just music orientation left and right. I use a lot of band and brand analogies to make, I would say, organizational points. Um, I even reference and quote many of my rock and roll heroes really as is, is learnings for the reader more than anything else. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think readers can relate to, you know, some rock inspired messages while still getting some tangible meaty takeaways to increase the results. And so I, I think it's great edutainment.
0: Well, this is episode two seventy-nine. If you guys are interested in picking up that book, just head over to episode our restaurant dot slash two seven nine. I'll have the links right there. I, I have to admit I have not picked up your book. I'm so ashamed. I but I want to. Um this sounds awesome. You have me sold. I'm gonna be ordering that on we'll Amazon. We'll get a
1: copy out to you, brother. Beautiful. And, you don't uh, have to spend any money, I'm gonna hook you up. <laughs>
0: if you ever want to come back on the show, Jim and uh, you know, really dive into one of these topics and really help our listeners evolve and grow personally, you're always welcome. Welcome back. And uh, we wrap up. Oh, thank you. No, thank you for everything you've shared. We, we, wrap every we wrap up every episode by having you call somebody out. So who is one independent restaurant operator? Somebody you think is just doing incredible things in this industry that we should all learn from.
1: Uh, you know, I would say right now, um, one of my favorite people in the entire world. And now we've become business partners in a couple of ventures. Her name is Kathleen Wood. Um, Kathleen is really in a, a restaurant industry icon she has helped out businesses make millions of dollars she's actually putting this into her own business now she's got a company called suzy swirl um killer killer culture great results and just a fantastic person both one of the most strategic people i've ever met but also now becoming more of a professional speaker and she's an author as well so she she does some really cool stuff so if you were looking for somebody to go and, and uh Get into some specific cultural elements. Uh, Kathleen is kind of my go-to person. Mm.
0: Kathleen, would look out. I'm coming after you. I would love to get you on the show
1: <laughs> and uh, l-
0: let the folks at home know uh, how to connect with you if they want to use your services, if they want to uh, just gather more influence from you. How can we do it?
1: oh great. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, a couple things. I would say uh, number one, my uh, my website for speaking. If anybody's looking for me to come out and do something in front of a group. Is Nightspeaker. That's my last name, K N I G H T, Nightspeaker.com. Uh, if you're looking for the book, it's the same name as the book, CultureThatrocks.com. And then I also have a monthly report uh, that I put out with Kathleen. Together we bounce off of each other um, with a, a business called Rock and Grow. So it's Rock, Hyphen, and Grow dot com and uh, it's free for the first three months we basically have a written blog and a video and some stats and we prop up a company and a person that is probably the best way if you want regular ongoing access um, so whether it's speaking or the book or online monthly education those are probably my three best places and you can always follow me on twitter at night speaker Awesome. But I appreciate the uh, the possibility to throw that out there. Thank no you.
0: problem. Again, this is episode 279. So if you can't remember all that, just remember restaurantunstoppable.com slash 279. I'll have links to everything right there for you. And Jim, thank you so much for taking the time to join the Melting Pot of Mentors. There is no questioning you are unstoppable.
1: <laughs> I love it. You're a rock star yourself. Thanks, Eric. Cheers.
0: wow, man, these interviews are getting better and better. They've all been incredible. I've been so grateful for everyone that has come on the show. But I feel like we're just cutting deeper. We're diving deeper. We're really just starting to pull back the layers on what we can do in our lives and in our businesses to really just take it to the next level. And man, Jim Knight, you just brought some great advice today. And I think the big thing that uh, really just is standing out to me in today's conversation is that uh, you you have to go beyond just creating those core values and the mission. I mean, those are important. You need to go through those steps, but it's not like set it and forget it. You need to really live those things day in, day out, talk about them, bring them up, uh, you know, find opportunities to uh, show your team when these core values, you know, come in the day to day. And, really live these things. And like he said, like he's all about just making impact and influencing people and diving deep into those real human connections. It's about people. So don't be afraid to get a little silly. And if, if something feels silly, if you, if you have an opportunity to, to point something out, if somebody did something incredible or there was an opportunity for somebody to have done something incredible and they didn't do it. And you want to make an example of that time of this moment and if you feel a little silly doing it, then good. That's a good sign. Silly's good. Like if you're if you're feeling silly, there's a good chance that what you're about to say or what you're about to do is slightly awkward or um, unexpected and it's when we aren't afraid to be slightly awkward or to stand up for what we believe in and share what our passion is. Break from the social norms because that that's what's going to make us a little bit you know crazier in a good way uh to stand out and to, to be unique and to really live our mission take those opportunities that's your opportunity to shine and it's when you you get a little funky that you really get noticed so don't be afraid like embrace the silliness embrace the funk uh live outside the social norms uh and i mean incredible stuff today from our guests uh, Jim Knight, thanks again for coming on the show. Awesome stuff. If you guys are enjoying these podcasts, if you if you want to contribute, there's a few ways you can do it. Shoot me an email, Eric at restaurantunstoppable. or shoot me a Facebook message at Facebook slash restaurantunstoppable, uh, or set up a one on one chat uh, to let me know what you think of the show and make some suggestions. Uh, I, I love connecting with my listeners. It, it's it, you know, so much comes from those conversations, opportunities for me, uh, to serve you come up in those, those conversations. And, uh, that's really what I live for is, you know, bringing people together through this, this medium, through this podcast to, to grow together, to learn from those who are proven successful, to, to, to study these incredible people and to discover how they think, how they act, and then make an example of them. So you can, you know, emulate these things in your own life and in your business. And, um, when I connect with you, those opportunities to, um, you know, just serve you uh, just a little bit better. Uh, You know, they they grow exponentially. So please do connect with me. Leave those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Uh, Keep them coming. Those help so much, you know, just validating this podcast. I love those those reviews, and I'm so grateful for them. If you have left one already, thank you so much. Uh, That's it for today, guys. Uh, Thank you so much for sticking around to the very end. Until next time, peace. Out.